Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I'm Jake Bennett. And do it. I'm David Hemphill. And welcome to episode 83 of the North Meet South web podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a legend in our midst. He goes by the name of Hemp. <laughs> welcome, David Hemphill, to the show. David is the creator of Laravel Nova twice co-author of Tailwind CSS, which is sort of a joke, but not really, actually. He is a champ in Rocket League, soon to be grand champ, and he is also the author of a brand new tool called Valet Light. And David's going to be on to talk with us today about that brand new tool and his journey along the way. So welcome, David. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. This was, this was sort of a last minute thing. That's okay. That's kind of how we operate. This is an this is an avoidant tac- avoidance tactic for us. Mm, indeed, indeed. Well, we won't go there. We won't go there. We're just gonna <laughs> we're just gonna be excited for David. We're not gonna talk about the uh, yeah, we project won't. that we're not launching because of things uh, problems. Oh, uh, oh. Also, <laughs> uh, Michael, did we had you had the new little one on our last show? Not on this one. No. Okay. We were still waiting, but uh, yeah, Olivia. Olivia Ray Helene was born on the 11th of September. So sharing a birthday with another friend of the podcast, Mr. Andrew Del Prodi. So shout out to Andrew as well. Nice. We should get him sharing on Sharing his birthday. He's in Alaska. So he's like, um, you know, it's like six o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, it's, there. it's a good time for him. But it's still right. dark. Six o'clock in the afternoon. In the, in the afternoon evening. It is, it is dark. It probably gets dark there on like five. I don't know. He lives on like top of the globe, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's awesome. Congratulations, yeah. Michael. Way to go. Way to yeah, go, thank you. Uh, Re. Yeah, it's been been going pretty well. Uh, she's three weeks and two days now, so it's almost been a month that that uh, she's been with us. And uh, her her sleep is kind of regular, which is nice. It's not not long enough. You know, it's kind of two hours on, thirty minutes off. So getting that thirty minute wake up overnight is is a bit rough. I think it was Eric Barnes was saying, "Oh, you're still getting eight and a half hours." I'm like, "Dude, <laughs> what I want you to do is go to bed at your normal time and set an alarm for two hours, and then be awake for an hour." And then set your alarm for two hours and then be awake for another hour and see how you feel in the morning. Yep. So, I kind of have to do yep. that now. I'm pretty much have to get out in the middle yeah. of the night and go take them out. Take them out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Speaking so of, what's it's, the, um, go ahead. Uh, it's not too bad. Sorry. I'll let you finish first about the actual baby, yeah. the real baby. And then we'll talk <laughs> about the, the puppy because I want to hear about this puppy too. Yeah. So it's, it's been good. Um, she She's putting on weight really well. She was basically full term. She was 36 weeks and five days, which they said was close enough to full term, which is 37. Um, so we didn't have to hang around NICU this time, which was nice. It was it was nice to sort of think back on Friday that, you know, we were only just bringing Eli home at this time when he was born. So having had her home for three weeks, it's been different because we didn't really have the experience of having a newborn at home the first time around. It was kind of like, let's go and visit the baby at the hospital and then you leave the baby and then you come right, home. Right. So. Um, th- this has been a little bit different. Um, it's it's been good. She is a little bit of a of a bully because during the day she'll sleep like three and a half, four, five hours, and then at night she's only doing two hours. So, and you know, we we try to force her to wake up after a couple of hours during the day, and it like doesn't do anything really. Nope. Um, nope, she will still only sleep for two hours at a time at night. So, um, yeah, she's she's good. Um, she's healthy. She's packing on weight. How's um, how's Eli she, taking on to being a big brother? He, yeah, he loves it at the That's moment. That's awesome. I want to see uh, you pictures. Know, it's, it's only three weeks, but um, he he's the sweetest little angel That's to her. Awesome. He's always, like, every time he sees her, he smiles and and he's giving her lots of kisses and he tells her that he loves her and, and all of that. So we are um, enjoying it at the moment while 
<laughs> while it's all happening. I'm sure be, at some point be in the next couple of years, they'll be at each other's throats. Yeah. Yeah. They'll be sure. at each other's throats in a while and and then hopefully it'll they'll all pull through in the end. David, you guys you kind of have the reverse, right? You've got a girl first and then a boy, right? So how, how do they get along? They typically do pretty well. They like they good buddies. Uh, yeah, I think so. They seem to be pretty good. I don't have a lot of references to cross check with. Sure, sure, right. Mm-hmm. I guess my own brothers, dude. But. My yeah, right, right. My kids, uh, yeah, my kids. It just depends on the day, right? Some days they're like just ready to kill each other all day long, and then other days mm-hmm. they're like you know best buddies all day long. Yeah. Hey, uh, real quick yeah. before we kind of jump into the the valet stuff, David, tell me about this new puppy. What kind of puppy did you get? Uh, I have a a cavapoo now. Yeah, man. A King Charles Cavalier mixed with a miniature poodle. That's what we got. Really? Love it. Yeah, seriously. Oh, yeah. I think we got the idea from you. Did you? I don't. Okay. That's funny. I think I remember talking about it a little bit. I didn't know that you guys ended up getting a Cavapoo, though. That's awesome. We love our dogs. I'm, I'm stoked for you guys. Yeah. She's hyper or hypoallergenic and she's really cute. She's still learning the potty train. That's kind of rough right now. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. you're supposed they're to be super to, smart dogs, though. I know you're supposed to be able to train them in like seven days to not do it. She's still having trouble with it. <laughs> she was um, a run. Did you? So, so I didn't get oh, enough okay. uh, gotcha. rest milk, probably. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we like the runs. Hey, um, I was uh, I actually talked to Taylor before we got our dog, and he was like, "Dude, one thing you have to do is put a bell by your back door." Did Did you talk to him at all, or did you have you guys tried that the bell by the back door? Well, I've uh, I've been there to his house, and when they then they've done that, so we got the idea to do that yeah. too. We have the bells on our our door, but it, it's not working quite yet because she's not allowed okay. really to be out a lot of places. Yeah, sure. Yet. So she hasn't got to ring that bell, but also Taylor, like, pretty frequently tells me he hates his dog because it won't stop like ringing the bell. <laughs> 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 it is true, dude. Our dog, it'll be like three in the morning. I just hear ding, 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 ding. I'm like, oh my gosh! So uh, now he's sleeping in the laundry room, and that's fine. He's got he's got a nice little bed in there. He just sleeps in there. And now in mm-hmm. the morning, he just does this instead. Like he's just like a single bark, and then he'll wait like a minute, and then roof. Oh, he's very polite, he's cute, but yes, exactly. He's smart. He's good, but man, there are days. There are days. Well, hey, sounds like everybody's kind of uh, got their own new stuff going on at home. That's awesome. Uh, as I st- kind of talked about at the beginning of the show, David, you've been working on this uh, Valley Light for the last little while now. And uh, this last week, you kind of made a made a push here and uh, announced Valley Light. So I was hoping we could talk just a little bit about sort of your your experience with that, kind of like what your motivation was behind it and kind of what your plans are for it and what stage you're in right now. Uh, so maybe just talk about a little bit about like, you know, on this blog post that you that you put out there, you had like the good old days, right? So you talk <laughs> a little bit about like your motivation and and kind of your bent towards like GUIs. So maybe you could kind of start there. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I feel like it came from an older generation of web developers because I came from like the era of DHTML and Notepad. Oh, you know, DHTML. I forgot about that. Yeah, like dynamicdrive.com. Where you had like yep, that was the stuff can make a shooting star follow your cursor and stuff like that, and that was yeah. basically <laughs> the coolest stuff you could do. And then there was Macromedia Flash, yeah. which I got into a little bit. But yeah, so I, I just for me, like, I always came with this like kind of hacker mindset. Like, I was not ever a coder. I would not say I was like a good coder, or I'm not a good coder now. <laughs> which 
it's not a good appetizer <laughs> for valley light i guess but um but i always kind of had like that design first mentality and so i always appreciated a good you know interface um because that's the only way i could get stuff done for like a lot of years until i actually learned how to do the command line stuff so you know i, I was used to like mm-hmm. wamp and uh you know front page actually was the first thing front page dreamweaver you know eventually wamp and and map kind of stuff and that's i don't know even things later on that were like nice tools you know panic had coda which i never really used that but i always appreciated the aesthetic of the the app and like the goal of it and you had mm-hmm. things like css edit which was like just an app for editing css which is it's crazy to think of now because we're all editing I'm, every language in vs code mm-hmm. or php Storm right, or right. vim whatever and then, <laughs> i just throw that in there yeah <laughs> Don't want to forget Michael. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have I have sympathy for the Vim OGs, uh, but one of my favorite web development apps was Espresso too, and that would do a lot of that would it was like the FTP transfer client along with the code mm-hmm. editor and CSS browser refresh kind of thing. So I, I've just come from this background of loving like GUIs, <laughs> and so. Yeah, and one of the uh, one of the ones that you kind of mentioned in your in your blog post is you kind of had this um, this uh, tweet from May of this year, and you're talking about Podcast Maker, which like the idea was like you had one app that did one thing and it did it really well, right? And it's right. just like this is how you make a podcast: you literally drop in your audio, you put a couple chapter markers, some metadata, and then you just boom, upload it to your FTP server, and it's done, right? It just does it, everything. It does all the things for that one specific thing, but it only does that, right? Yeah. And so, um, it's that's sort of kind of like what you're talking with, like, was it Espresso you said, or was it Coda? Uh, espresso and Coda, they're kind of like the same thing. Both same sort of idea, right? Mm-hmm. So this is your code editor. We'll upload it to FTP when you're done, and we'll handle the auto refresh stuff, and it does all that for you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. For the, yeah, the era so, of build tools and node modules and pipelines and Webpack and all that stuff, for sure. I feel like in some senses we're kind of hitting that. Like I feel like people are just hitting their limit with that. Like everybody's fed up with these build tools and all the time being on the command line. Like, I feel like this is kind of Caleb Porzio too, right? Like he said, as soon as I have to like invoke a build tool to get my JavaScript stuff working, like I'm, I'm done like too much. Like that's why like Alpine, mm-hmm. you literally have that CDN single line, you just boop, drop it in the top and you're done. Right. That's like, it just feels so much nicer. Right. And it is sort of like a throwback to like how it used to be when you would, when you'd go to DHTML, right. And literally mm-hmm. you would paste a script in the top of the bra on top of your page. And that was it. That's all you had to do. You didn't have a build tool or any of that stuff. You just dropped it in and it worked. And generally you could leave um, it for 10 years and it would still work. Whereas now you, right. you kind of got to yeah. keep it up to date every <laughs> three weeks because it's a yeah. new security release for one of the packages, 16 levels down. <laughs> That's a dependency yeah. for you, that you use. Yeah. Yeah, I read today that actually, like, I think each, uh, on average, each um, thing depends on like 388 like npm packages. I think it was like it was literally that exact number because I just read it a couple hours mm-hmm. ago. But, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, if you come back to a, if you come back to a to a project, like, um, even like a month and a half or two months later, like, there's like, you need to run npm audit fix or whatever because there's all yeah. these vulnerable packages gotta, or or GitHub starts warning yeah. you about you gotta, your dependency and, trees. Yeah, and you got to hope that running npm install still works or npm ci yep. still works. And yep. yep. And oh, you've got to update npm now, and then oh, now you're using a different version of npm. Oh, a new version of Xcode has come out. You've got to Xcode select install command line utilities. Oh, that doesn't work. How do you remove that? Oh, Christ! And then you're using, and you 
whole new version of macOS. You've gone from you know whatever to Big Sur, and now that doesn't work. Oh, right. Or Homebrew, or whatever, right? So all these command line yeah. dependencies, oh. even even in your local environment, right? So like it's like it's sort mm -hmm. of like takes a little bit further, right? Which is kind of the path that we're going down, which is, you know, you have, yes, you have these build tools that you use to build yourself, but it also is like local. Like if homebrew, if your PHP breaks, like, like hope to God, you never have to upgrade node, right? Mm -hmm. Through homebrew, yeah. this is gonna break all your crap, right? And so I think that kind of gets us into like the next portion of it, right? Which is basically like, this is sort of like your app. So what's, what's the pitch for Valet, uh, Valet Lite? Well, yeah, it's, I'm a seasoned developer. You know, I've been doing this for over a decade or longer. And there's still days when my local development environment just doesn't work for no reason. I haven't updated Mac OS 10, haven't updated Node or anything like that. It just doesn't work. <laughs> and and I actually was <laughs> running into this on Chipper CI. I'm just like, why doesn't this work? Every time I try to load this project up every you know week, it it just stops working, you know. And so that was the motivation really to get started because think about like people that are coming on to development for the first time where are they how are they going to figure this stuff out like it used to be notepad yeah. and, and a browser and you refresh and that's all you had to do and then if you were really fancy you had an index.php or like a, a cgi script to mail people with right um but i can't imagine people trying to get started now and and so this is kind of for people that are getting started and people like me that appreciate really simple one one-off apps that do something well mm -hmm. you know that was the kind of the motivation for valet light which you know it's like laravel valet made it made a lot of that stuff really easy but it's still a, a command line tool and it has its own complexities and and dependency issues sometimes as good as as it is totally yeah yeah absolutely I've i've run into a couple of those before not super often to be real honest not super often i um Valet has worked pretty well for me, but there have been a couple of times where I've needed to do something. It's just like, ah, oh, man, I don't like it's not it's not working as I was expecting it to, or something else. Probably like my PHP version upgraded, or when trying to like, I have an old project that needs to run PHP six dot something, and then I have a new project that runs needs to run PHP seven dot something, and then it's like I'm trying to upgrade another project to PHP eight. And I don't really have the ability to do that super easily. And there's blog posts and you can read about it, but again, like if you're targeting like the new developer you've lost them already. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's over their head. Right. So well, hold on. You um, just said PHP so, six. I didn't know anybody had a copy of that. You said PHP sorry, six. Dot. Five. Yeah. <laughs> five, <laughs> sorry. five, seven, eight. Thanks David. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> I actually had one that was running on four at one point. It was, it was bad. I had to use Docker for that. Yeah. Um, but maybe for like people who, who don't even know like what valet is, maybe like you talk a little bit like what, you know, obviously like valet light is sort of like harkens to the fact that there's like a valet hole, right? The whole thing. Like, so like we <laughs> yeah. know what Laravel valet is, um, but like maybe for people, because you don't have to know what valet is in order to be able to use valet light. It's not a prereq, right? Mm -hmm. So what just is valet light altogether? Like, what is it? Uh, valet light is going to be the simplest way to get started with developing Laravel and WordPress projects on Mac OS. It's going to run your web servers it's going to handle SSL certificates locally and it's going to have a built-in web server so you can have nice domains like davidhimpill.test or chipperci.test or thenpingme.test. That's basically it. But it's going, to, it's going to bundle several versions of PHP that you can switch through easily. Yeah, that's pretty much it. 
right now. And it doesn't have any need mm-hmm. for homebrew, right? I mean, that's a big piece of it, right? Is you don't actually have to do any of configuration or setting up through the command line. You literally just install the app and it's all ready for you. Right, right. It has its own dependency library that's kind of based on homebrew's dependency library, but you don't have to manage that part of it. Right. It's going to come out of the box configured correctly uh, for, you know, with the really convenient stuff like memory limits and that kind of thing. It's going to be all handled for you. A lot of the PHP extensions you need will be in there too. So it'd be very similar to running your own homebrew setup, but just you don't have to manage that anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the one of the thing I noticed when in like your blog post, as you said, is intelligently handles choosing ports for your servers. Can you, can you explain a little bit about that? Like what, I, I think I know what you're talking about, but maybe you could talk just a little bit about that. Like, what do you, what do you mean? I'll say you're, you've got, just a random web server that artisan server running on 8,000 port 8,000 when valet light starts up one of your sites it's going to pick the first port of its like the range that it uses and so it'll actually hit port 8,000 to see if anything's running on it already because a lot of times you can you know you have port collisions there and stuff won't work and it's kind of a hard thing to understand so valet light's going to check out the port and make sure it's open and Pick the next best one if it's not okay yeah because it's like it's possible you're going to have multiple sites running that need to talk to each other mm-hmm. right so i might have like for example i have something where there's a little api connector between two of my apps and if you're using something like um a, you know php artisan serve or something like that right mm-hmm. and then you don't have the ability to kind of serve them across different ports it's they're going to collide they're not going to be able to run at the same time right so it just kind of handles looking and saying like oh is there something running here and i'll choose a different port automatically right right yeah and of course one of the most important features is it supports dark mode yes <laughs> people will, yeah. will ask <laughs> and i that's yeah. for the people hacking at night you know for sure they're in bed for while sure their spouse so, is sleeping so they need that dark mode <laughs> so you said that this is going to be mac only to begin with do you have any plans to kind of like bring it to windows or is it pretty much just mac users uh, we're going to target mac users first firstly uh with this whole project there's been a lot of research on how php is compiled for mac os and of course you have to do different versions for windows and linux and so that's, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a little bit above my knowledge, uh, knowledge base right now. So I'd have to figure that out first. But it's in theory, it's possible because it's an Electron app, so it could be delivered cross platform. Okay. Yeah, that was gonna be my next question. Actually, it was um, like, what was that like? I've never developed anything in Electron. Michael, have you ever had the chance to do anything like in Electron? Do you have anything? Have you ever? messed around with that much i have never had the inclination i was actually i was talking about this to my to my mother-in-law this morning when we went to to visit reese family because she she's a lecturer or was a lecturer at the university here across some varying different subjects and i said in um you know in our line of work in it sometimes you just need to put the blinkers on and and focus on where you're going right or the not the blinkers the blinders get the tunnel vision and just like because there's so much stuff always coming. There's always, you know, new new ways of doing things. There's like, you know, new versions of PHP. There's like JavaScript and there's TypeScript and there's all these different things. And if you start looking at every single thing, you can't, you won't, you know, you can't get anywhere. You're always going to be scrambling to get keep your head above water. Um, you know, and it's it's good to to at least be aware of some of these technologies. And for example, something like Livewire, um, when when Caleb first started talking about that, I was like, mm, "That sounds cool," but I don't really, you know, see 
see why I would use it. And then he demoed it at Laracon last year. And then I thought, okay, this is starting to make a lot more sense to me, but I didn't really have anything to to work on it with. And um, it wasn't until his presentation at Laracon Online this year that I was like, the penny has reached the ground floor. I'm ready to to go on this. And and I have been using it in a couple of different projects since then. And And it really makes sense to me as someone who doesn't really profess to know a lot of JavaScript and I don't really enjoy writing JavaScript personally and being able to just, you know, do everything in PHP and, and Blade and all of that. Like I get that philosophy and I, I kind of dig that. So, you know, being able to be aware of technologies and knowing when it makes sense to sort of jump on them. Electron is not really something that I've looked at because it's, you know, it's not just Electron, I suppose. You then have to know um, the JavaScript side of things and you need to know, you know, I assume, you know, Vue or React or something like that to build out all of your interfaces. And it's not just learning to build an Electron app, really. Um, and that's where it gets a little bit beyond the realm of, you know, my, especially now, like I have no free time. I think I'm going to sit down on the computer for an hour because, you know, I got Eli down for a nap, but then um, Liv wakes up and then the other day I thought I was going to get an hour and I got like 45 minutes. And then the next time I got to look at a computer was, you know, six hours later and I got 15 minutes between when I got lived down for a nap and when I had to go and pick Eli up for, from childcare. So for me personally, it's really one of those things where, I need to be very selective and pick and choose what I'm going to learn and, and what's going to be impactful for me, which was a really long-winded way of answering your question, have you used Electron? <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's a good, I mean, it's a really good point because you're right in that um, if you're literally just constantly trying to keep up with all the tools, yes, you'll have all the knowledge. But David, you always say this thing that I, I always forget what exactly it is, but you, I can't remember, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. This quote you say, like, learn everything you can so you use as do i know you can finish that you know what i'm talking about what's that thing oh, you say yeah. i'm trying to remember exactly what it i've heard you say it like five times learn as much as you can so you can use as little as you need to or something yeah. like that yeah that's what i that's it <laughs> you know it better than i do <laughs> so I've, heard, I've heard you say it before but basically the idea that like be you know basically what you said michael which is be aware of the tools and know mm-hmm. as much as you need to about them to know when it's appropriate to use the correct tool, right? So yeah. I think the the question I have is like, why did you choose Electron? Like, obviously, if you're if you're targeting Mac only, it's possible you could have chosen to go in another direction and done like a native Mac app or something like that, mm-hmm. right? So what was attractive about Electron that made you kind of go that direction? Well, I've been working on the web for over a decade, so that being able to use web technologies means I can kind of bypass, you know, that learning curve. It's required to use Swift and Xcode, deliver apps that way, and kind of just focus on the idea. And actually, the app has really got a pretty simple stack. It's a Vue CLI app at its core, but then has um, sort of the Electron bundling built in through a plugin. And so it's really easy. I can just hit Yarn, Electron Start, or Electron Build, and I've got a Mac app ready to go working. And it supports like yeah. hot hot reload and all sorts of stuff like that makes it really easy. So not having to think uh-huh. about like compiling and learning a new a whole new API, a set of APIs for the Mac made it really nice. So you're using like Vuex in the background, mm-hmm. like do you like what are you using for state management? Like Vuex stuff? Okay, it's using a common like Vuex, you... and then there's a it writes to a, a config file on the file system. Okay. And then you also have like this idea, obviously you're managing dependencies that are probably operating through the command line. So you've got to have some plugin or something like that that allows you to kind of talk to the shell of the of the uh, machine you're running on. Yeah, that's that comes with Electron. 
all okay. these APIs to talk to different services throughout the operating system. Cool. Yeah, we've we've deployed one Electron app at work, uh, but I didn't work on it. I just told the guy who did it to work on it, and he did it, and he got it working. It looks it works great. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, I know the updating story was a little bit tricky for us to figure out. Have you? I, I mean, I know sort of like before we talk about the updating, maybe you can talk about kind of where you're at in the process. Like, are you are you released now? Like, you've announced. Like, where are you kind of at? What what's the stage you're at at this point? Well, I've been using the app for myself for about two months now, uh, for all of my, you know, Nova development, chipper development, that kind of stuff. Uh, so it's definitely in a, a state where it's work workable. And I just actually this morning sent out the email to the the list of people that signed up because I didn't expect the response that I got. <laughs> I was thinking that a few people, I put a, a tweet out there and the and tweet was linking to that article. And I was like, you know, if you want to beta test this, hit me up on Twitter DM, which turned out to be kind of a bad idea because I got hundreds of DMs. Oh, no. <laughs> and, then, and so I had to ask everybody for their email address, too. So I had to go through all of those and ask for the email. And then I thought, that was so dumb, too. I could have just sent them a link to a sign-up to put their own email address in. Sure, so yeah, yeah, yeah. About halfway through responding, I realized that I should probably throw up a mailing list and, and do it this way. And so I really botched the launch because <laughs> I funny. expected only like a handful of people that would even want to try to like beta mm -hmm. test it. But so it's in like a beta mode right now. So you're just kind of like giving people a like a, a downloadable sort of thing that they can just chuck on their computer and then and then see how it goes from there. Yeah, I'm gonna give send a download leak probably sometime next week to the beta after I fix like there's a few outstanding issues that kind of I know people are gonna hit and it's gonna be annoying for them. So I'm gonna fix that on my end and send the link out. And just give them like, uh, disable the activation limit on my licensing system to, so everybody can just use like a beta license code. Nice. Okay. So then what's the plan kind of moving forward? Like, um, do you have sort of a date that you're hoping to actually release? Is it going to be, I'm assuming it's going to be paid subscription-based one-time payment. What's, what's your kind of plan? Uh, I'm thinking probably it's going to be a very, very cheap app because it's, you know, if it was expensive, you'd just probably just go with something like MAMP if that's something you were looking for, or MAMP Pro, I mean. So it's going to be pretty, really affordable, actually. And when, as far as like release date, I'm not sure. Just when it's like, it feels really good right now using it. I just need to get it in the hands of some people to make sure that, you know, some unforeseen bug doesn't really like mm -hmm. crash the project because <laughs> there's a good possibility yeah. that you don't know what you don't know, you know. Somebody running some old version of WordPress, some crazy old version yeah. of WordPress. Like, it's not working. Yeah. Yeah. Just say November and don't put the year on it. And then it gives you 12 months to get your act <laughs> together. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah, right, I don't, we don't have any experience with that. We don't know anything about that. <laughs> yeah. So no no big commitment hey, um, to it, the timeline. Yeah. But the hope is to get it out soon because I want people to have it. I'm curious, like, if this something like this doesn't slot into a space, something like set app. Right, if it wouldn't like involve like if it wouldn't be able to be included in a set of tools like that, I'm just curious what the distribution looks like with something like that. Do you know what Set App is? I think I've sort of heard of it a, a while back. It's like a subscription; um, and you get I a bunch of apps. You got it exactly. So there's there's tons of them, right? I mean, I don't even know. I think I'm trying to think if um, uh, Table Plus is included in it or not. There's a bunch of them though. There's a ton of them. And most of them are like little small apps, right? 
they're really convenient apps. I mean, some of them are priced as small as, you know, as little as like $2.49, you know what I mean? $2.49. I think it's mm-hmm. a $10 a month subscription fee, but then you get access to all of those different apps. So like with something like yours, okay, so like Bartender is one that I use, um, which just kind of hides menus uh, in your in your toolbar up at the top. You have things like a color chooser, which is like, a you know, it sits on your Mac and then it, it you know, you can basically sample any color on your screen. Uh, you have a markdown editor and previewer. Um, you have a a zip archiver. You have a batch renamer. You have all sorts of little tools like this. But it might be interesting, like if you know, if maybe you did something like, "Hey, we're going to have it out there for X amount of time for people who want to pay this amount of money for it." And then you know, maybe if like your sales slow down or something, maybe you do something like set app. I can't. It's probably like a commission thing, right? On set app, mm-hmm. I would suppose. Like you somehow like you do like a discount for. It's probably like Spotify, right? Like every time somebody plays somebody's song, mm-hmm. you get a certain amount of money. Like every time somebody is using your app, you probably get some sort of something. But yeah, that's be an interesting something to look into. The kind of the idea I was thinking yeah. now was just like a one-time license for a version, and then you know, like either do like a year of free updates or something, something like that. Because I yeah. like buying a, a piece of software and owning it and being able to own it and use that version forever and upgrade to the new ones if mm-hmm. I have to. Versus like subscriptions just always feel kind of yucky for, for apps that sit yeah. on your computer. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I like kind of like what um, what Sketch has done and what a lot of people are adopting, I think, right? Which is like, like you said, like buy it once and then you get it for, you 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 own it forever and you get updates for X amount of time or something. Or if there's like a new version, you have to pay for the new version. I, I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, feels good. All right, what else do we need to know? Uh, we're going to... I, I told you that I would only take a half hour of your time and I know you were already sleeping and you got all pretty for us with your plaid shirt and your nice hat and all that. So let you, let you get back to bed. But uh, what else do we need to know about, about Valley Light? Anything else you can think of? Hmm. No, it's a pretty simple app. That's actually what's yeah. kind of nice about it. It's easy to explain. It runs your web servers, your level apps and WordPress apps. And it could run Symfony apps, but I just haven't built that yet. Built that part in there. Okay, yeah. <laughs> So there's probably just like an additional, uh, almost like a middleware, right? It just kind of sits in front of, or do you specify it when you create the new when you create the new site on on Valley Light? When you create, when you load the app in, it will detect what kind of app it is. Gotcha. So you don't need to like preset it. It's just no. like it just detects it automatically, yep. and it knows what gotcha. how Very to cool. launch the server for that that framework or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. How does the uh, how does the PHP version thing? Do you just specify that like in the in the project settings or something? Uh yeah, in the app settings you you've got the the versioning, but I'm one of the one things I want to build is the per project PHP versioning because people gotcha. have really been asking about that. Yeah, yeah. Because they have projects that are running on different versions, but still have to talk to each other. And that's not something I usually mm-hmm. have to run into, but I can see how that's a you know a big thing that people run. Well, into. like for me, like one thing where that would be nice is like if I have a, if I have a project I'm running seven on and I want to upgrade it to eight, and I just want to see what happens if I just push it to eight. Right. It's like I don't want to upgrade all of my apps to eight, which is what I'd have to do basically with Homebrew. Right. If I just wanted to do like eight, it's like get everything to eight. But with something like this, if I had like a per project setting, I could say bump it to eight and leave the rest of my stuff at seven. And so as I'm kind of switching things and upgrading them to eight, I can just bump it up and then see what breaks. Yeah. The kind of tricky um, thing with that, I, with the per project PHP version, is that if you have anything linked on your command line, you're going to have. Because like what I have is I have Valley Light's PHP version that I 
have like simlinked so that whenever type you know php artisan whatever he uses the version inside mm-hmm. ballet light but if you have like a yeah, per yeah. project version you kind of run into php mismatch ah. so that's something that i have to look into and see if there's a good way to fix that it's always something isn't it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah You're always bumping on something always always it'll be interesting dude this is actually maybe this is a little bit i don't know if this is interesting or not but like i appreciate laravel shift it makes it really easy to do upgrades right i wonder if i wonder if he has like a php shift i bet he probably does huh php i shift think from he, like seven to he, eight. Used, he used to yeah he used to but they're just I, I think he's spoken about it on his podcast or something somewhere where he said there's just not the market for it where there is for laravel like laravel is you know there's heaps of developers that are doing it everyone's trying to keep up to date and it's easier to use shift than it is to to try and do it manually whereas with php you know there wasn't people within laravel typically are keeping their php versions up to date because they're keeping their laravel versions up to date and people outside of the laravel community aren't really looking for that kind of stuff and people that are on older versions of php are either there because they have to be or because they just don't care and so they're probably not looking to upgrade their php versions anyway um, and he just didn't see the usage of it. But he he did do a I think a five, six to a seven, like in the early days and just didn't didn't stick with it. Yeah. Gotcha. Cool. Awesome. Well, um I think that's pretty good, honestly. I think we learned learned pretty much what it is exactly you're aiming for, kind of what the timeline is for it, how you can get involved if you want to be in the beta. Um, what's the easiest way for people to keep up keep up with uh Valley Light and sort of the most recent develops developments? Well, Right now, I, I created a, an email list that you can get to by just going to davidhemphill.com slash valet-light-newsletter, or you just you know find the post in my Twitter profile. We'll have a link on the show notes. Yeah, awesome. I'm going there right now. There it is. Valet Light Beta Insiders. All right, I'm on the list. There we go. Noice. Notify me. Noice. Awesome. Well, uh, that's all I got. Michael, what you got, dude? Got any questions to ask our amazing guest? Uh, I have questions, but not not for now because David needs his sleep. <laughs> he needs um, his beauty I will rest. say, however, he does, he does. Not that he's not a beautiful, although that picture he sent the other day where he'd used that damn filter on his face. <laughs> oh just my gosh, that really was upset so, me. so creepy. <laughs> I got another one. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's very upsetting. It was David without a beard. Yeah, it was, it was very upsetting. Don't even try and picture it. You won't be able to sleep. Um, the only other thing I have to say is to check out our friends over at Fathom Analytics, which is a simple privacy-focused website analytics platform for bloggers and businesses. It shows you everything you need and nothing you don't. It shows you your popular pages, what websites are sending you the most traffic and more, all from a super fast single screen. And they are GDPR compliant, which means you don't need one of those crappy cookie notices that take up half your screen. If you head over to usefathom.com forward slash north, you can get a seven-day free trial as well as a $20 credit off your first invoice. So basically you'll get roughly two months for free. Plans start at just $14 a month. So definitely check out Fathom Analytics. They're at usefathom.com forward slash north. Awesome. Hey, thanks everybody for tuning in. This was episode 83. If you'd like to find show notes for this episode, you can find them at northmeetsouth.audio slash 83. If you like the show, feel free to rate it up in your podcatcher of choice. Five stars would be amazing. And if you'd like to follow David, you can find him at David Hemphill on Twitter or at davidhemphill.com. And if you uh, have any questions or comments, hit us up on Twitter at Jacob Bennett or at Michael Dorinda. That's all I got, folks. That's all she wrote. All right, everyone. See you in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Remember, 
Get commit messages are superfluous. <laughs> Best sign I'd ever. Peace. Yeah. <laughs>